Hey everyone, welcome back to the Three Crosses podcast. My name is Buzz, and I'm one of the pastors here at Three Crosses Church. This week, I am so excited to have had the opportunity to sit down with Butch Monk, one of our pastors to adults here at Three Crosses, and talk to him about his life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, Butch is uh, in his 70s now, and he's lived a life that I think models for us a patient pursuit of the Lord. Butch had the opportunity to join us at our family retreat a couple weeks back, and so I wanted to find out from Butch, what did he take away from that event, and what sort of message did he feel like really resonated with our busy young families, striving to do right by their kids and right by their spouse and make it to work and just the pressures and frantic pace of life today. How can we find God's patience in a world like that? I thought Butch was the perfect voice, and I know that after having listened to him, you'll feel the same way. So let's take a listen. Butch, here we are, truly one of the all-time greats. Speaking of you, not of me, although that's your saying that I just stole. Uh, so for those of us uh, maybe who are listening and they don't know you, A, how could they miss you? Ah. But B, tell us a little bit about yeah. who you are, what you do here at the church. and Well, I am presently the, uh, I'm one of the pastors to adults. So my particular responsibility is to teach the challengers class. And I work with seniors and with other adults, actually. And that challenges uh, class, I've never been. You've to never my been regret. There? Oh my heart. Who's that for and what kind of do you guys do on uh, Sunday? We have uh, mostly seniors in the class and uh, um, a few younger ones. And uh, our goal is to teach the Bible. I've been teaching that class now for uh, this is my 27th year teaching that class. That's great. That's awesome. So, Pastor to Adults, and how long have you been doing that here at the church? Well, I've taught uh, many other classes. In fact, I've taught <laughs> I've taught Sunday school since I was eighteen, and I missed two years. Uh, one year during college, I I took a year off, and then one year, uh, just before I retired from Redwood Christian Schools, where I also worked at the same time. What did you do at Redwood? I was just one of the principals of uh, one of the elementary schools. I I happened to be at this campus right here. It was Redwood Christian Schools at the crossroads. Here we were. Here you were. And so you were a Christian school administrator, Bible teacher, Raiders fan. I don't want to talk about the last thing for very long, though. Yeah. We don't want to get people the wrong idea that you have poor judgment or anything of that nature. And... uh, it seems like for somebody who's been in professional Christian work for a long time that you might have come to know the Lord at a young age. How long would you say you've been following Jesus? I accepted the Lord uh, in third grade, but I would say I didn't, um, although we were a very church-going family, you know, you're, you did all the activities, everything you did was in church. Um, my real commitment to the Lord and for for full-time service or whatever he called me to do wasn't until I was at high school, at high school camp at um, Old Oak Ranch, where we always went. In fact, my picture's in the the bookstore, if you want to go. Oh, the Three Crosses bookstore downstairs? Downstairs. You can hop in. You can say hello to Lucy. You can look at Butch's picture. I I do all, yes, people can do that, and then she'll show you my picture. That's excellent. So you've been here. You're a you're a lifer, a long timer. 
I've been here. I've gone to this church since I was in fourth grade. So that was like nine years old. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm sure you've seen a thing and or two change over the years. I'm just coming into my prime. I'm 72 now. Yeah. That's, that's great. I'm sure you've seen a thing or two change along the way. And uh, hopefully we haven't strayed too far from the path. And one of those recent, I don't want to call it an innovation. That makes it sound, you know, whoa, crazy. Uh, but is our family camp, our family retreat. We've done this for the last couple of years. And then this year, we invited you to come out and join us. And this was a time we took uh, parents and kids away and did kind of a camping experience in cabins. And we had recreation. We had some times in the chapel and just celebrated what the Lord was doing through our families. And so what were some of your impressions of that event as a first-time attender? And I just, first of all, my wife and I, we really loved it. It was a, a great time. Um, Alliance Redwoods, uh, they were a great host to us. But I was really impressed with uh, with both you and Austin and, and um, Annie and all those who were in charge because it, it to me, was um, the, the absolute exclamation point on evangelism because um, although I've gone here for all those years, I knew very few of these young couples, and most of them were not uh, couples who had been in our church for a long, long time. They were new because someone had gone out and invited them, and they had given their hearts to the Lord husband and wife, and wanted to bring their children up in the Lord. It, it was tremendous. It was so encouraging to see that, that we're actually doing that still. And that has been one of the, the long-time purposes or, or working the purpose of, of our church is to minister to, to families. Yeah, so we would even say that every Sunday, you know, part of our process statement, worship, yeah. community, service, and then evangelism right. being that, that fourth one. And so to gather people into life in Christ and life in the church family that haven't known it before is a really good thing. It, it is, and what what really spoke to our hearts is that the younger generation is serious about evangelism. These people who were there at that camp had been invited two, three, maybe five years ago to come and try our church and to try Christianity. And they gave their hearts to the Lord. I mean, there were families there where neither mom nor dad knew the Lord five years ago, but now they're right on board. I, It's tremendous. Yeah, I always think our families are heroes. You know? Yeah. Like raising kids is so hard in this day and age. And oh, the Bay yes. Area just pressurizes you in a way that not a lot of areas do. Yeah. So to take your weekend away, yeah, heroes. The, the other impression that I had um, that I left with was that many of the families are going through the same kinds of challenges that my wife and I went through with our children many years ago. But they're also going through new kinds of challenges. There are challenges in the area of uh, technology. You know, how much time do I give to technology? How much do I restrict, restrict my children in the area of technology, yeah. games and all those kinds of things? Um, it's a big, it's it's a lot different than it was before cell phones yeah. way back. What what Maybe what is one of those challenges that you find is consistent over the generations? You said some of the challenges we've faced for forever and some yeah. are new. What is one of the kind of consistent The biggest challenge I would say is 
uh, raising your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and uh, knowing the balance between uh, uh, discipline. Um, I, I shouldn't say discipline and love because we want them to we want discipline to be a vehicle by which love is shown. But there, there has to be that balance between um, play and recreation and good times together and then the, the hard and fast discipline. Yeah. This is how things are going to be. Howard Hendricks said many years ago, you, you have no right to discipline your children unless you play with your children. Yeah. And it, at that retreat, there was a lot of playing with the children. It was great fun. And, and I could see that a lot of these young families are still stressed out about just how much time to give, you know, where you can play and do things together as a family, spend time together, linger together over, you know, something that's fun mm -hmm. versus get in the car and go someplace and meet a deadline. That's another challenge, by the way. Yeah. It's very much the same is that you have to meet deadlines all the time. So you're that, in a hurry. That hectic schedule, that hurry. Oh. You know, Dallas Willard, who I really love, says yeah. that you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry, hurry from your life, yes. and that's a step right. towards right. spiritual. And we all know growth. that, uh, or we or we learn that, and, and we say, "Oh, that's wonderful. That's a great platitude." But to practice that in our everyday society, and in, in with school schedules and and soccer and baseball and on and on it goes, is very difficult. Yeah. And then video games. And then and video two parents games. working. And your mortgage. Yeah. And we want you yeah. to volunteer at church. Yeah. And bring a friend to service. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Very difficult. So in, in some way, I think oh, you could look at the opposite of hurry and the opposite of your hectic schedule almost as patience. Like you don't have enough patience because you are acting too frenzied. You know, and this week that's kind of our big topic Absolutely. is the fruit of the Spirit, yeah. being patience. And so... I kind of feeling this foundational idea bubbling out that discipline or parenting is a long view and it's not an immediate snap your fingers, microwave it type of a deal. <laughs> Very well said. Well said. Yes. The actually one of the, the definitions of patience is long suffering. And so yeah. both parents and child uh, have to go through the long suffering, you know, um, the forbearance, the considerate. Uh, attitude toward one another. That's what what patience is. It's the long-term, step-by-step, uh, -step, um, working together, living together, learning together, mom and dad and, and children in a, a patient kind of a way without everybody getting emotional, excited, and frantic about every little decision that has to be made. Yeah. I love the uh, translation that you're sharing with long-suffering. You know, on Sunday, Larry was talking about forbearance. Some of your Bible translations say patience. And one of the reasons that we get so many different English translations, or sometimes you were, use the word gloss, which is just one word that stands for a word in the original Greek, is mm -hmm. that this idea of patience is kind of complicated and it's multifaceted. In a way, and these translations are trying to bring that out to us in a richness and a, in a depth that helps us grasp the original meaning. Yes, and so right. if somebody was trying to say, okay, really, what is Paul getting at here with this word patience, forbearance, long suffering? Could you give them any insight towards well, what Paul was meaning? It's an interesting thing uh, in the Greek dictionary. It says that patience 
refers to enduring um, injuries inflicted by others. Oh man! Uh, so it go. It's more than just you know standing in line at the grocery store and patiently waiting to to check your groceries through. It's it's kind of living with the challenge of uh, persecution or or being hurt or troubled or challenged by other people and then getting through it with a forbearing which is means consider with a forbearing spirit with gentleness yeah instead of uh confronting everybody and screaming at them you know impatiently yeah yeah i'm almost kind of getting that echo of the teaching of christ on the sermon on the mount where he says you know you heard it said that it should be an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth but i say to you Basically, be patient, forbear with one another, forgive, even when you are done wrong. Well, just think of that. When Jesus himself was challenged, it says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself uh, to him who judges justly. And that's really our challenge in patience is to entrust our, ourselves to the Lord, to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to get through. In fact, I would say this, Buzz, is that we have to understand that true patience will only come through the enabling of the Holy Spirit because yeah. our nature is not to be patient. Our nature is to, to go after people, to confront them, to do things so quickly you know, uh, um, we're on the fly in everything that we do that we we leave a lot of trouble in our wake and, and a lot yeah. of hurt feelings and hurt children and those who say, well, well, what just happened? See? Yeah, we don't have any margin. You're late for your train. You're running. Yeah. You're, you know, one setback just cascades. It's kind of this picture I'm getting. And just think, uh, our example is Christ himself, who would, who went through so much for all of us, you know. And so it, we just need to consider Christ continuously, consider Christ continuously in, in all of our, our <laughs> challenges. You know. That's those three C's. You yeah, love you your alliteration. That. Consider yes. Christ continuously. Well, sometimes it happens, you know. And all challenges. Oh, ooh, that's a C, but it's a different yeah. sound. So a now my five-year-old sound, yes. is so confused. Yeah. Does this start with a C, Dad? How does it make a different sound? And then, and then, and then commit yourself to God's faithfulness. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Wheel of Fortune in here. Yeah. So, so what, once you have giving yourself over to the Lord, it's not just a one-time shot. You know, Lord, help yeah. me to be patient yeah. with my children today because there's so much homework and we have a soccer game. And no, you have to daily commit yourself to him for patience and say, Lord, today you know what's facing me and you knew yesterday what was facing me. I can't do this on my own. I'm asking for patience today. Yeah, I think that's one of the big ways that my view of discipleship has changed from when I was in high school to today, is it used to kind of feel like to follow Jesus meant you joined the club, kind of. It was a one-time decision, you turn in your ticket, and now you're in the, you know, you get to come into the theater or what, you know, whatever image you want to use. And when I hear you talking about how it's daily, day by day, continually following after him, I think that really hits more at the heart yes. of it. You know, I have to every day say, I'm going to love my wife and not myself. I'm going to love my kids yes. and not myself. I'm going to be patient in my circumstances and not look to my own rights. 
you know, Jesus said in Mark 8, if you want to follow after me, deny yourself, take up your cross. Luke adds daily. Ooh, absolutely. And follow me. And that's a yeah. big, that's a big yes. calling. It's that continual commitment that comes from consulting with the Lord. <laughs> because you, if, unless you consult with him, see, pray, pray and ask for, his, for help. You're not going to make it. You can consider and you can commit, but you have to be willing to consult. Yeah. So consulting then is kind of this prayer life and this yeah. communication with uh, with Christ. Ooh, there's another C. Good job. We're enjoying our alliteration. Yeah. I feel like we're playing categories, but I don't want the listeners to miss. This isn't a joke. This is a real. This is thing, the real stuff. You know? Right. Like to to uh, follow Christ, being aware of the cost of it, not just blindly or making it trivial. But to consider, what would Jesus have you to do? I almost get that idea of wisdom, you know? You follow him with yeah. wisdom, not with imp- See, what you're saying here is so important. It, it, patience is not a passive thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's work. You know, you have to keep committing yourself to him because, and you'll want to do that more as you consult, as you have an intimate, close relationship to the Lord, you'll realize that your lack of patience has turned people off, has hurt your testimony, has yeah. hurt you. And you don't walk around saying, oh, it was so wonderful to lose my temper today. You know, yeah. you feel guilty and down and troubled and the the relationship with your children, your family, your your coworkers or whatever is just fractured. Yeah. And that's another change that I've seen in my life as I view discipleship. I used to think of it as almost a private agreement that you had with God. Yeah. You know, and like yeah. you're in your little closet and God sees everything you do and everything in your heart and everything in your mind. And so really you're judged more on your internal metrics. Are you thinking the right things? Are you desiring the right things? And I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about how what you do does have an effect on other people, that there's a, a social dimension. Yes. So you don't lie, not because lying is wrong and you're going to get a speeding ticket at the last judgment someday, although that's probably at least in part true. You don't lie because it erodes the trust you have with one another. So it's Absolutely. not just between you and the Lord, it's between right. you and another person as well. And Yeah, your your internal commitment is only as good as your external practice. You know, what you do outwardly reflects what you have committed to inside, you know, in your in your mind and in your heart. Yeah. You know, we were so worried, I think, growing up about accidentally teaching the idea that you could somehow do enough good things to earn your salvation. Yes. We forgot to say, like, this is a natural outgrowth of following Christ, is right. that your life right. will look more and more like his. Right. It looks like living in what he called his kingdom and Absolutely. those kingdom values. And isn't patience just right there in that whole area, see, that patience will come out as you're willing to allow the Lord to work through you, you know. Yeah. Man, I could use a dose of patience. And man, one of the things I loved about your content that you shared with us at the family camp, because you are our speaker. I don't think we made that plain. You're very humble. You know, you didn't want to say <laughs> anything. Um, but it w- um, was the same person that wrote the letter to Galatians, where we get this fruit of the Spirit, was who wrote the letter to the Philippians that we talked about at Family Camp. Of course, that's the Apostle Paul. Mm -hmm. And his life was so fraught with challenge and trial and hardship and suffering that to look at him gives us a little window into what it might look like to be patient. 
So I remember you sharing with us a little bit about Paul and Silas uh, in that prison in Philippi. Yes. Do you want to give us maybe the, the, the nutshell version of that kind well, of hardship that he went through? We called that first message, we called it the wake up after the shakeup. And the whole idea was that that prison guard was awakened spiritually and in every way after the um, uh, earthquake where Paul and Silas were shackled together or um, in stocks and uh, they were singing and praying at midnight and the, and the big shakeup comes in, as an earthquake. And then the as a result, that soldier uh, gives his heart to the Lord. And um, that's what God does. Oftentimes when we endure those times and we endure them with praise and prayer, I, even though the shakeups will come, God helps us to get through that and then see some great fruit from it, some great result. But something that I had not considered until I was preparing for that is that Paul's life up until that point when he was thrown into that prison and put in the stocks, it was one shakeup after another. You know, yeah. he was someone who thought he was doing the right thing. He was going from church to church telling everybody about how Christianity was growing and uh, how God was working in so many different ways. And it, it seemed like everything was going well when he was called over to, to Macedonia. He went over. He obediently went over there. He, he did what he was supposed to do. He, he actually spoke to Lydia and those down at the river, and she gave her, her heart to the Lord. And then a shakeup comes because a girl trailing him uh, was mocking him. He turns around and cast the evil spirit out of her. And then those who were opposed to him had him thrown into jail. One of the things that I learned is that shakeups often follow very obedient service. You're doing well. God is, is using you. Um, you're seeing results. And then something happens that um, shakes things up. Yeah. But the secret is is to patiently, perseveringly keep praising the Lord and praying because God's got big things for you, but you have to not let that shakeup throw you off track, see? Yeah, so you're kind of recounting for us the Apostle Paul's life. We, of course, can read this in the book of Acts. So if you're not that familiar with Paul, like that's the kind of the roadmap of his I don't right. want to say his biography, but just those events that right. happened to him. And then we get his letters in Galatians and Philippians and kind of a window into the man. And I love what you're talking about, how he was obedient and got a shakeup anyway. Or maybe another way to say it is he was obedient and got a shakeup because he was obedient. So often we think of these shakeups in our life as either punishment for something that you've done wrong or the consequence right. you reap because right. you've made a mistake. But right. you're telling me, actually, shakeups are a normal part of life. They're not only a normal part of life, they're they're God's blessing to help us to grow. When a shakeup comes, that is God saying you're ready for a little bit of a, a a change, a little bit of suffering, a little bit of pressure, so now you can grow into for the next step, the next 
big challenge. I've seen that happen in, in my life over and over again, where something happens and it leads to another step of responsibility or work and then blessing as well. Yeah. Do you want to let me put you on the spot and share one of those examples of a time you got a, a shakeup in your own life? Uh, well, I, I would just say it, whenever I have switched from one job to the next, God has blessed in innumerable ways, ways that I didn't expect. When I went from um, college to my first teaching job, which was at a Catholic school, St. Felicitas in San Leandro, taught there three years. I had never even been in a Catholic church, yeah. even though I'm a monk. But I... <laughs> but <laughs> That's but your last name, I, monk, to those of us that don't know you well. But I taught there for three years, and God used that. We used to, in fact, we used to bring several of the nuns with us to church on Sunday evening. They would come, they would go right down the aisle here to this church and they would sit there in the front row and sing all the songs and everything. God used that as a means of blessing. And then when I left there and came to Redwood Christian Schools, it was the same thing. I felt so at ease, even though it was a, a shakeup in, in our lives, it was God's great blessing. And God used yeah. that for 36 years. And and it then in coming here after my retirement from Redwood, same thing. God used it as a means of blessing us and hopefully blessing others as yeah. well. Any step into the unknown, you just don't really know. It, it, how it's ooh, that's go. well said, Buzz. Any step into the unknown. Yeah. So we're thinking about this idea of stepping into the unknown and you don't really know what's on the other side. You know, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament is in First Peter, where it tells us that when we're going through something difficult, don't consider it strange or unusual yes. that you're receiving these trials. You know, I'm really struck by the idea that you're telling us that patience is a response to these difficult times. I mean, do you find in your own life and ministry people are almost afraid of patients because they're worried about what the cost might be? And Absolutely. In fact, I would say that many of us try to get through life by, by saying, oh, we're patient enough, you know. People need to tolerate me a little bit, and I'll tolerate them, and everything will be, be nice. But the fact is that God knows that we will be in situations where our impatience will actually turn people off, will keep people from listening, from wanting to be close to us. And the, 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 the um, intimacy that we need to have with other people to be the witness, the teacher, the kind of uh, example that we need to be with others requires patience. Yeah. Uh, it if if you're impatient with other people, they're just going to turn away and find somebody else to to, yeah. to befriend. Yeah. There's that social dimension of discipleship that we're talking about again. It's not just about you. Right. You live in a society. You live in a family. You live in a church family. You live in a city. What's scary to me, Buzz, is that impatience can become such a way of life that. Um, in everything you do, the way you drive, the way you shop at your local grocery store, the way you address your children, um, the, the way you take on the, the, your to-do list, it can be so um, crisp and tight and, and, and angry that if one little variable comes in there, you know, your little child comes in, Daddy, can I, and asks you a question, <laughs> you turn with them and you say, What's going on? You know, yeah. impatiently. Yeah, that happened to me the other day. And uh, 
it was my day off and you know Tara goes out and and uh, works on her her stuff and I'm home with the boys and we hadn't Tara and I hadn't slept well and we hadn't we we're working on just a lot of stuff at work a lot of stuff at home and then you wake up and you've got to deal with four boys and yeah. I kept getting like mad at them and I wanted to you know be quiet get in line and I had to remember it's not their fault that I'm upset with them it's actually my fault because I'm tired and I didn't rest well and I didn't prepare well for this day. And I could have easily let that spill out onto them. You know, it certainly did to an extent. But if see w- what happens is with me is that the impatience gains momentum, and so yeah. So when I'm put into a situation like that, I've already been impatient with someone along the way. But there, you know, it, there was no great result or effect. It didn't hurt anybody. But I've I've acted a little bit impatient when I've had to stand in line or or waiting in line in in my car in terrible traffic. And then what happens is I just need one little thing to put me over the edge. Yeah. Somebody says something. You know, the child challenges us or whatever. I remember years ago at. Um, day camp, which I ran for 33 years, getting there in the middle of the night after one of our children was born, and uh, oh man, uh, and all the kids were making uh, noise, and and I had to get them, and I had somebody who had taken my place, and I I went to him and said, "What's going on? Why aren't these kids all down and asleep?" You know, it was the, it was our overnight. And while I'm doing this, this little boy comes up to me, Mr. Monk, Mr. Monk, I asked Jesus into my heart. I turned to him and said, what's wrong with your heart? (laughs) (laughs) It it was just that, it was just that kind of impatience that had been building up all day. And I remember having to go to that boy because one of the leaders came and said, he said he asked Jesus into his heart. I had to go to him and apologize and hug him and and pray with him and thank the Lord that he had given his heart to the Lord. See, at that point, I had allowed the fatigue and the pressure of the day and a, and a new child in my in our yeah. uh, in our family. All those kinds of things got to me, so that this little kid who was so excited, praising the Lord and thankful that he had given his heart to the Lord, he became my target. No one that yeah. the brunt of my impatience. I remember one of those things you said at family camp that I scribbled into my notebook was that complaining is contagious. You know, the more you give in right. to this kind of a idea, the easier it replicates. You're yes. saying the same thing here about patience. You give in to one minute. Yes. And it just kind of grows. And, and I would root. say on the other side of that, praising is contagious too. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I want to be a praiser. Uh, here at this church, that's why I love working on this staff. You have so many people who walk around and can see so many good things to praise the Lord for continuously. And, you know, but there are those of us who complain, you know, oh, it's so hot. The, the, the sun has been shining on me for so long. Oh, it's raining. Oh, it's overcast. And you go on and on and you have this, this contagious complaining spirit that, that continues. And then the, the big thing is that that kind of an attitude, it goes from us to others. So other people pick it up and think that's the norm, but that's yeah. not God's norm at all. Yeah, I know. I'm reminded of how Paul writes in Philippians in chapter 2 that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who considered others better than himself and endured 
everything, right. everything, even death on the cross. And so if we're going to yeah. model him by our patience, that's a, that's a high bar. Yeah, it is. It is, definitely. You know, so it's possible somebody might be listening to this and thinking, man, that patience seems like a, a high bar. I can't get there. Maybe I should quit. Or somebody else might be thinking, I'm pretty patient. I'm good. Yeah. Somebody else might be thinking, that's so far out of reach, and I just don't even know how to get started. Like, do you have one or two practical steps that somebody can take to try to get more addicted to that patient's lifestyle that we're talking about? Well, first of all, in, in anything, I would say practically, um, when you are pressured and you're just about to lose it, always step back. If that means count to 10, if it means take a, a look at something from a different angle, try to make your view of something not just so personal that it's real narrow and you're looking at it just from your only own perspective, but look at everything from God's perspective. But you've got to step back to do that. That is, yeah. you don't keep yourself so intensely involved in a situation that you're going to blow up. Oh, sorry, that you're going to blow up. But instead, <laughs> that's the wake up after the yeah, shakeup. Is that is that clap? But, but instead, <laughs> you just look look at the situation. You step back and you look at it from God's point of view. Secondly, uh, most importantly, is you have to continuously pray and ask the Lord to help you in the area of patience. It's not going to just happen through experience or age. You know, some of us, the older we get, the grouchier we get. You know, the inhibitions kind of go, and we kind of say, oh, you know, you got to listen to me, and we impatiently yeah. expect things from others. So, yeah, you have to step back, and then you have to pray, and then you have to ask that that what you're doing will reflect Christ to others. Sometimes we're the only, as, as Ed Harris, who used to be in this office years ago, used to say, you might be the only Jesus that people know. And so you are the vehicle by which they will learn about Christ. And so you have to realize that. You have to keep saying, practically, I am the one that is going to represent Jesus in this situation I better be patient. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about involving your prayer life. In your own life, is that something that you find that you try to pray for a set block every day? You know, you're talking about praying in response to a stimulus like an argument or a, a situation. You know, Paul said to pray continually. What does that right. look like practically for somebody who's kind of exploring prayer life? Well, I would say that there's really two steps, Buzz. I, I want to give every day to the Lord early in the morning. I want to be like Jesus who, you know, rose early and went off to a, a, a secret place to pray. And I always do that. And I keep a journal of everything. I write all my requests down. And then I go back and see how God has answered. And that's also my journal is just a way of pouring out myself to the Lord. And I've done that since high school. Every basically every day. Yeah. Um, and so that gets me started in the, in the right direction, that early morning praying and just pouring it all out before the Lord. But the continual part of prayer just happens. Um, I just breathe those prayers throughout the day, you know, even coming in here today, I had to pray for our, I was, 
I was excited to pray for our, our contact and for what we were going to do. Um, I'm excited to pray about my preparation for a particular lesson and giving it over to the Lord, even as I'm doing it. This morning I've been writing this introductory paragraph, and I find myself praying all the way through for each word yeah. that I choose. It is It has got to be a continuous thing. Um, and it's not something that um, interrupts the flow of other things. In fact, it is the thing, it is the catalyst for the other things getting done, being accomplished, you know, that God wants me to do. Yeah, I like that. Prayer is not an interruption no. to the other things. It's a it's a catalyst for the work that God wants it, to do it, in my life. See, what happens is if I don't pray, I'm going to get off track and do things my own way or go off on my own or or carry out my own agenda. And I I think we all have to defeat this is the the curse of our own agenda. Rather, I want to be under God's agenda with his direction and with his guidance saying, oh yeah, I get to do this and this and this. And Lord, I can't do it without your strength. So here I am. Yeah. That reminds me of what you said earlier in the podcast. This is only a response to the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And I, I see that kind of yes, coming through absolutely. with prayer. It's always like yeah. we always demand our shopping list from yeah. God, but you're saying it's more putting ourselves in his world and letting his character yes. be formed in us. And I think that's pretty cool. You know, we Absolutely. Uh, we think so often we have to work so hard so that God will be happy with us. <laughs> and if we right. could just let go of that workmanlike spirit, which is, I think, often very well-meaning, right? We want to do our best for God, but we the whole message of the gospel is you can't do it. Let God... Yeah. Walk alongside you, do well, what it in I your have, life. What I've been learning, and it's taken me all these many years to learn it, is the work is okay. It, it, it's a blessing. It's what I, I should do. God has a certain work for me to do. But if I try to do it on my own without surrendering my talents, abilities, time, and everything else to the Lord first, it's going to be just so much activity. And I don't need more activity. <laughs> I need yeah. to have whatever I do be honoring to him. Yeah, and isn't that really kind of patience in a nutshell? Letting go of it your is. frenzy of activity it is. and being more about the considered work yeah. of the Lord through the Holy Spirit's empowering in our Absolutely. lives. Absolutely. Man, Butch, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today, your wisdom, your joy, your experience, your patience. you got to be patient for a couple of days while we upload this to the web, but um, I'm excited to hear how it's impacted lives all around our church and community. So Great. thank you for thank your... Thank you, Buzz. It's been my pleasure. Pastor Butch has a lot of sayings here at Three Crosses that he is famous for, and one of my favorites is that everybody he calls truly one of the all-time greats. And that speaks to Butch's just the love that he has for everyone and the joy that he carries with him as he does the Lord's work. And I think, in my book, Butch Monk is truly one of the all-time greats. I'm so thankful that he was able to share his wisdom and his perspective of a lifetime of following Christ, what it looks like to be patient to rely on the Holy Spirit, to be a vessel of peace and patience and long-suffering to the world around us that needs it so desperately. I hope that you are as blessed as I was by my time with Pastor Butch. You know, if you are struggling and you need somebody to pray with you, would you reach out to us? We have an email address, uh, which is just podcast at threecrosses.org, and we would love to hear from you. 
If you need God's patience in your life or if you're considering what it means to turn yourself over to following Jesus and living in his kingdom day by day, just the way we were talking about, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to connect with you. If you have some feedback about our podcast or if there's a topic or a guest that you might like to see in the future, reach out. We'd love to know how we're doing. We'd love to know how we can serve you better as we help to seek transformation through following Jesus Christ together. God bless you. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week. Thank you.